I just I, I try to treat it like I was if somebody was to talk to me or if I was in a situation on the other end of it. Right. That's just I feel like you learn that as a kid. Right. Treat others how you want to be treated. It's the same concept when it comes to sales. And yet. And yet this show exists for a reason. <laughs> Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., a Chief Information Security Officer. And today, we're very excited to welcome London Miller, Enterprise Account Exec. Right on. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate uh, you having me on today. Yeah, this interview has been literally months in the making i reached <laughs> yeah. out to london i want to say october kind of bad timing you were having a kid we tried to do this on sunday bad timing george blew a tire on the highway but we are here and we're making it work so why don't we start with the usual place which is give us the quick and dirty origin story of how you got into cyber you got it uh, so, yeah, so I got into cybersecurity pretty early on uh, in my career. I started back in 2019. Uh, I got into tech through my close friend, Kendrick Trotter, in which you know, George. Uh, mm. He saw that I was kind of confused coming out of school. I graduated with a criminology degree. I uh, didn't quite know which direction I wanted to take that degree. Uh, I thought I was either going to be a police officer or join the military growing up because that was kind of the only two options in my area um, from the Inland Empire of California. And that's just kind of what everybody did. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not what I wanted to do. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a couple of odd end jobs outside of school. Uh, and I worked in uh, car sales uh, for about six months. And I realized really quickly that I'm pretty good at sales. I'm pretty good at, you know, building relationships with people. But mm. I was I also noticed I was a terrible car salesman. Right. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, when it comes to car salesmen, they typically have a bad rap. Right. You know. Everyone uses yeah, yeah. the term used car salesman and things of that nature, right? They kind of do some sleazy things, uh, sleazy sales tactics. Now, I wasn't really into that. Uh, so I knew I wanted to get into sales. Uh, I just didn't know which direction to take, right? Uh, got in contact with my friend Kendrick, uh, who was an SDR at the time. Now he's a, C a CEO, but he was an SDR. Uh, and he kind of you know gave me the ropes, showed me what the role was like. Uh, we had a lot of training sessions. Uh, and I, my career pretty much launched from that point forward. I've been in the tech industry for over four years now. Uh, it's it's ongoing and uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. I really had a great time. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, George, first time I've ever heard somebody was so uncomfortable with used car sales that they gen jumped into cyber. I don't know what that says about cyber sales, but we're going to get um, All right. Well, you are on the vendor side, which means mm -hmm. that. Uh, the CISO gets the first crack. So I'm going to turn it over to George A. Sweet. So, um, yeah, first of all, and um, honestly, dude, like uh, I have a ton of respect for you on a bunch of levels beyond even this business. I played like one year of university ball in Canada uh, until my pops passed away. And uh, it was one of the most intense experiences of my life. The fact that you did a D1 program. Dude, if a D1 school had offered me anything back when I was in high school, I would have been like head over heels, bro. So <laughs> much respect it. to you as an athlete, as an individual, the kind of leadership it takes to get you there. Like for reals. Uh, but on to the business of what we're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, your background is particularly unique, and I think it's worth expanding upon a bit for the folks listening. You know, like okay. I said, you're a D1 player, go Bobcats, uh, <laughs> studied criminology. You yep. know, you decided to take a chance and do something that, you know, as of 2017 when you started, you had no experience or, or quite frankly, qualification to do. Right. But, you know, from Splunk to Radware, you're now showing yourself as a, as a trailblazer, especially for visible minorities uh, mm-hmm. and non-STEM graduates, uh, both things that I share with you, like as, as a Palestinian Arab Canadian. You know, so uh, I have to ask you, man, like, you know, tell us how you developed your craft since you first took that us and technology training program, because, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people listening, they might be in different fields. They might not be in cyber or infosec at all. And they might think this is unattainable. I can't get a job doing this. Okay. You've broken down the barriers, brother. You've made it happen. How'd you do it? That's a really great question. Um, and the answer is probably a lot more simple than you guys would like. Uh, so at the time when I was working in car sales, uh, I had seen Kendrick and the way he was living. Right. And I, I knew that it was it was doable. Right. Uh, but I but he had called me and introduced me to being an SDR long before I ever you know, decided to take him up on that role. It was at least six months mm. before uh, he called me and I turned him down. I was like, you know what? The same thing that you said right now. I don't think I'm qualified. I don't want to sit behind a desk. You know, corporate really isn't for me. You know, I've been on the field my entire life. I, don't, I just can't see myself living that way. Right. Uh, nor do I feel like I have the qualifications. Uh, but, you know, at that moment, he's like he was like, if you could ever memorize a playbook. Right. Or, you know, watch film for the week uh, for your next opponent, then you can work in high tech sales. Right. That's that's right. the exact quote that I have lived off of since that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I never thought of it that way. Right. Even though it was something that I did uh, for my whole life, I didn't think that it would translate into tech. Right. Because when you think tech, you think engineering, you think coding, you think all the above. Right. Uh, so I ran with that and uh, it's it's worked for me so far. Right. If you know when you when you play football on the weekly basis, it changes every single week. Right. Each team that you play, mm-hmm. they run a di- I play defense. They run a different offense. Uh, you know, they have different schemes and things of that nature. So you have to game plan and game planning is really opening up a book like your coaches will provide you for a book, a, a book on that team each and every week. Uh, and, and you take a look at at their common themes. And uh, you're able to uh, pretty much, I don't know how to put this. Uh, so you pretty much are able to, you know, kind of study them without even seeing them on film yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how you, how I kind of translated into the SDR world or into the tech world. Right. Learning what the solution is. Right. Learning why the people I'm selling to even care about what that solution is, is all the same as as learning why, you know, a team runs this route, uh, you know, on first down, whether or the, if they run this route on fourth down, it's all the same. It just is, even though it sounds totally different, it is all the same, if that makes sense, right? Uh, but that's no, pretty much what really I've done. A, yeah, I think it's really important that two things happen there. One, there's this recognition of skills that are not, quote unquote, technical apply mm-hmm. to this industry, which I say time and again, like the creative problem solving and cybersecurity is only possible if you're pulling in people who've got like different skill sets, right? Because mm-hmm. if you only had people who are hardcore network systems 
engineers, they would, you know, fail to consider either, you know, a red team mentality or whatever. But also it was important for you to see that about yourself, right? Like you had to believe that that skill set was, you know, could be translated into to a selling experience. Yeah, like I, like I think like the cool thing that I really take away from it is that you understood something that's really, really critical to the whole thing, whether you got it in this terminology or not. What I'm seeing is that you understood it's still a game of humans selling to humans, protecting humans data. Yep. That's that's all we're doing, dude. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is that you understood like intrinsically, if you focus on the quality of the solution that you're actually selling, the actual sale really it's it's kind of fucking easy, dude. Like if you yeah. believe in your product and your product's actually good, you don't have to do all this extra crazy nonsense to get someone to buy it. You just have to be like, hey, I'll be honest with you, I can solve your problem. That's not your problem right now. Cool. I'll be here. Get a hold of me in like six months. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what part of it in the car sales gig did you sort of have that light bulb moment where you're like, oh, I have something here with sales that I maybe didn't consider when I was studying criminology. Is it just, yeah. you know, Kendrick's a really outgoing person. You know, I think yeah. he's clearly very social, but was it something else for you? Was it like, what was that? that vibe that you were like, okay, cool. I have something here. So it actually happened before I got into car sales. It happened in college before I graduated. I had a girlfriend at the time. Um, and I didn't, I, once again, I didn't know which direction I was going to go once I graduated. And she was London. She said, London, you need to get into sales. You need to get into sales. You're just really good with people. And Hmm. I guess you can say that's the original light bulb moment. Uh, but once again, once I got into actual sales, which, you know, fortunately or unfortunately was through car sales. It was just my communication with people, you know, building those relationships and and just talking to people and and seeing what matters to them. Uh, Once I realized that I am actually really good at that, then I knew I could translate it into high tech sales. Right. Um, I think if you ask around uh, to the people that do know me, I think you'll get a pretty common uh, theme that, you know, I'm, I'm, I can kind of relate to anyone and everyone in, in some type of way. And that's what I've used to my advantage so far. Nice. So when you're thinking about, you know, that the used car sales tactics that made you uncomfortable, did it make you uncomfortable because, well, it sounds like it went against maybe your sense of integrity, but was yeah. it being imposed on you? Like, this is the playbook. Yeah. This is what you should do. Is that like why, why yeah. you felt the need to separate absolutely so it was integrity it wasn't morals right uh Mm -hmm. i can give you an example of of situations that i was in as well if you would like to hear them yeah let's do that let's do that (laughs) yeah so i mean i can think of of one one example in particular where there was a customer that came in uh he wanted a brand new corolla and um he worked at walmart right there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. it's a you know a good honest job and um, I believe because you have to get their pay stubs and, and things of that nature. But I mm-hmm. believe he made about eight hundred, nine hundred dollars a week or mm-hmm. every two weeks. Uh, and the the payment that they were trying to hit this guy over the head with was close to seven or eight hundred dollars a month. Right. And um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he looked me in the eyes and he's like, hey, man, do you think this is a good idea? And, you know the work version of you and your managers are going to like, you know, are going to urge you to talk this guy into taking this deal. 
and you you know you'll you'll create some commission from that. Uh, but you know the person within the humility inside of me, yeah, I looked at him. I was like, come on, man, like do you really need to ask me that question? Or uh, you know, I don't think I like, you should. Yeah, half yeah. your paycheck on a new car exactly, payment, exactly right. And you're just going back and forth from home and back. I just, I just, and he didn't even seem like a real you know social guy either. So it just didn't seem like a good idea to me. Uh, but it's just, it's just taking advantage of people, right? I'm not, I'm against that. I'm not really for it, even though it affects my commission, right? So that's what made mm-hmm. me a bad car salesman because <laughs> I couldn't do things like that. So therefore I wasn't getting the commission check. So I was making minimal yeah, yeah. wage. So therefore it just, it just didn't work out. Uh, it just didn't work out for me. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to say the quiet part out loud. That is so fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, and that's just one I situation. Think, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're giving the CISO like PTSD here. But <laughs> like, no, of- dude, dude, no, no, no. Like, like again, London, um, you're playing the the rare role of a sales side individual who is the voice of reason, where you're not just like dealing with like quota, quota, quota. Dude, I was just at a CISO dinner like tonight. Like, I'm in, I'm in a table full of other CISOs and some CIOs. And one of the other guys at the table was talking about how his sales team is kind of the bane of his existence because they will try to sell anything and everything out of the sun, even if it's not actually in the product catalog. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me just, interesting. let me just like bolt on some services and throw this thing in there. It, Here's it, a skew. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's a common practice in our industry, right? And so he has to be the voice of reason to be like, yo, sales guys, like I get it. I like revenue too, but what the fuck are you doing? Right. Right. I appreciate that you're this person, man, because I think if you continue with this energy, you're going to be you're going to be that CRO that people want to work for. That people die to work for, man. Like, please well, keep it's that also, up. Thank yeah, it's you. your yeah, name. I, mean, right? I, that, I really name. appreciate that. That's super kind words for you to say. But it is difficult to maintain that in the industry and in the world that we live in today. Right. Where we're mm-hmm. all we all have a, a number held over our head. Uh, sometimes it is hard to you know create actual meaningful relationships when they're constantly pressing you to. Uh, you know, you know, push you just number, 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 right? There's nothing that goes along with it. And that's kind of the one of the problems that I do have with this industry. Uh, I think it forces us salespeople to become, you know, what people like you CISOs hate, right? Because, you know, just because of that number, you, these people are, are sending, you know, 3000 automated emails just so that they can, you know, hopefully reach their number at the end of the month, right? And it's, yeah. the, it's just not, the the two sides don't they don't connect when when we're working that way well and it's like you know if you had sold that car to that dude two things would have happened i did but it wasn't my fault he, he wanted <laughs> okay. it. he wanted All right. it. <laughs> i get it i get it well you know in cyber it's you know you can make somebody uh less safe or it goes through but you know, they catch heat because of the cost or something. Anyway, it's not going to do you any favors, you know, the next sales cycle. Like if it's, mm. if it's not predicated on trust, like how good is that renewal, you know, or you move on to another outfit, you know, and you call and like, Hey, you know, I sold you this thing back in the day, you know, and they going to remember how that made them feel. But so we've talked a lot about that qualitative skill set, but talk to me a little bit about your first meeting playbook. We'll get to outreach, but like when you have in that first meeting and you're trying to do that connecting sort of walk me through how, how 
your own internal playbook works? Uh, if I understand your question correctly, is I think what my answer would be is when it comes to that first meeting, I'm the account executive, right? It's really mm-hmm. just getting to know this person. Uh, more times than not, they've never actually met me before. Uh, yep. So, you know, we're going to go down the line and in, in, of introductions and really kind of see if there's a, a point of, of, sorry, my, uh, my headphones are messing up a little bit, but seeing if there's a point of connection, right? Where, mm-hmm. where do we in this world, this giant world where so many people have so many things going on, where can we connect? That's, that's what I'm looking for mainly uh, because it opens the door. It takes that wall down from somebody that you mm. just met when you start talking about something that they enjoy or is a huge part of their life, uh, because that's exactly how I would want somebody to talk to me. Right. And in my case, uh, I if you're familiar with me, I really love cars. If you jump into a conversation and you start talking about what car you have or what, you know, this and that, I'm probably going to start spilling the beans almost immediately because <laughs> I that's exactly what I want to talk about. You know, even though we're, we're probably talking for another reason, if that's how you start the conversation, then I'm, my walls dropped immediately. Right. So I try and do that with others as well and make them feel comfortable. Nice. Yeah, I mean, look, like I think that's 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 part of what makes you a little bit special, and, and I know that's an experience that I want to say it's like typical of a salesperson, but it's it's also someone who has gone through kind of like a recruitment program and understands how to sell themselves. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, that's kind of what you're doing, you know. And, and I, I really like to hear that. So it kind of leads to the next question: like, how is your experience as a high performance athlete on a highly competitive high performance team in a fun, but, you know, brutally violent sport. How's it made you an ideal team member in the commercial tech sector? Ooh, wee, that's a loaded question there. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, just like uh, D1 athletes are very vocal on LinkedIn, but there's a commitment that is required to be an, a student athlete where they say uh, mm. uh, an how they do it athlete student when they put up their fingers but really you're just an athlete first uh you know we have to do things that no other kid on campus is doing right we're getting up at Mm -hmm. four o'clock in the morning every single day we're probably staying to watch film until 9 p.m at night while still going to class and getting our homework done that just i don't care who you are that requires a type of commitment like no other right and that gets built into you at some point right after you've done it for a while it becomes a part of your life and that translates straight into tech uh or into sales at least right um you know you're gonna have to you're gonna have a lot of uncomfortable moments uh you're gonna have to have those mornings right where you're you know you have to get up early get get busy right do prospecting and things of that nature and you may have some late nights where deals are you know hanging on by a thread and things of that nature and it's all that all translates directly uh i, I may have missed another part of your question but i mean it's just i think it's also part of process right like yeah. you know they talk about the process the training process and i think we had a bdr our most successful bdr who went on to be an ae was a d1 athlete and she she didn't spin her wheels like every day she was working this very consistent process. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think people, maybe they don't see a result a day or two and then they sort of reinvent the wheel, but she's like stuck to that process. And that was the, that's, the difference. That's kinda, in terms of so you're talking about loaded question. That's what I was trying to draw to man. Cause like, look, 
I've, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a D1 athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but I've done some, you know, decent things in my own life. I'm still a competitive athlete now, and my entire life is still lived as such. I still get up every morning, run 5K at a minimum, six days a week. I'm still training two, three times a week. George and I is like WhatsApp chat is half training <laughs> videos that we're sharing with each other, pushing each other, you know? Right on. That kind of mindset, though, man, it's like to take the discipline, the diet, the approach. I do intermittent yeah. fasting like most days of the week. That kind of thing, if you have discipline in other parts of your life and your passion in other parts of your life, it's going to carry over to your work life, too. Yep. You know, So when I see mm-hmm. someone who lacks discipline at work, they lack passion at work, they lack focus and dedication at work, that means the rest of their life is probably a fucking soup sandwich, too, man. <laughs> it all fucking plays in, bro. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back for the brass tacks portion of the show. All right. So London, we've gotten through the bare knuckles. Let's get down to the brass tacks. So walk me through your process. Uh, You get a new territory, you get some cold accounts. Just walk me through like, what's your first step? You just got these names of these companies. Uh, Walk me through the process of how you're going to find out about them and then how you want to do outreach. Like what kind of your go to? Yeah, my it pretty simple once again. So if I just get a you know a green patch, I'm gonna look for uh, the top of t- top accounts, of course, right? That's usually where uh, you're gonna get your money from at the end of the day when it comes to uh, revenue. Uh, but um, to dig deep into that, basically, what I'm going to do is try and do as much research on those companies as well, right? Get an understanding of. Uh, you know, what solutions they may use that are similar to the mm-hmm. solution that I'm providing as well, first mm-hmm. and foremost, because sometimes that's the low hanging fruit, especially if they're not happy with who they currently use or if we know that who they currently use is extremely expensive, um, you know, pretty much along those lines. Uh, and then finding the ICP, right? So the ideal customer profile, mm-hmm. uh, the individual that's probably the decision maker or, or mm-hmm. close to that person, right? Which is going to be involved and trying, I just try and get everyone involved that possibly can get involved, right? That's not a new sales tactic. Um, yep. But what I want to do is, is back to uh, square one where it's creating that relationship, right? I'm going to find that person on LinkedIn more likely than not. That's kind of been my bread and butter over the past years. Uh, cold calling is great. I'm pretty good at it. Uh, it's just I've in recent years, since pretty much since the pandemic, getting connected with people has been a lot harder for me in my situation. That for doesn't sure. necessarily sure. mean I've heard, for I've heard that across the board. I've heard that okay. across the board. Okay. It's it's give or take, right? Some people say that it's it's the same or it's even better, but in my case, uh, you know, dealing with with CISOs where it's already hard to get a hold of those guys, uh, you know, it's it's been even harder to try and cold call them. But uh, yeah, so I try and I try and aim for LinkedIn because LinkedIn pretty much has a lot of information, and if they're active on LinkedIn, uh, it, it gives you everything you need, in my opinion, right? So if they, they share things that they care about. Uh, you know, they they follow people that are probably in the similar field and kind of just that's where I start my research at. Right. Nice. Uh, and I really try to find that commonality. 
Um, and once I find that commonality, more I will send them a video if, if they connect with me, right? So uh, through LinkedIn, I like to do videos once they connect with me, introducing myself, putting the face to the name, giving you my voice, my personality, uh, rather than just blowing you up with 16 emails that will go into the black hole email, right? <laughs> uh, I really, and, I can't and, stand- And get your IP blocked. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hate when I write a wonderful email and I just know that it just went into the abyss, right? Because I'm just wasting my time at the end of the day. So even if I make a video, it's, no, it's, it's never longer than 30 seconds, but it's a quick in- introduction of myself, uh, the solution that I provide, and just asking them, you know, if, if they would like to connect and learn more. If not, that's totally fine. At least we can part as friends and maybe we'll connect another time, right? And I just leave it at that, uh, getting into oh. it. <laughs> Bro, that's crazy. the fucking dude, dude, dude. Okay, first of all, you remind me of like our friend Kayla to like she she won me over doing that exact thing where she okay. just like she made a video, like had like a vulnerable just like this is me, this is who I am, this is what's up. If you want to talk yep. to me, cool. If not, no worries. Yeah. Like the other thing too, it's it's you're not your quota is not my problem. Right. Yeah. So like if you want to have a relationship, let's have a relationship. If it's not the right time for me to buy, like you have to you have to acknowledge that, man. Like I can't I got stakeholders, I got a CFO, I have a board I have to answer to, you know? So it's just like the fact that you, even though you're like relatively young in the industry, the fact you're mature enough as a human being, as an adult to understand that already sets you a cut above most of the rest. Like that's the whole point. That's play. I tell, you know, I say it to George and I say it to any salesperson who listen to me, don't play for the initial buy, play for the renewal, right? If we have a yeah. good relationship, <laughs> And it might take me six months to a year for me to mature my environment or to convince CFO to agree to it. Mm-hmm. When I buy your product, I'm going to stick with you for like whatever employer I go to afterwards. Like yes, have, trust. I, trust. Bro, bro, I have vendors that I've worked with for three employers now. I go to a new shop. I take them with me because I yeah. trust the team I'm dealing with over there. Like you, right you nailed it, man. I don't know. I appreciate it. <laughs> I just, I, I try to treat it like I was, if somebody was to talk to me or if I was in a situation on the other end of it, right? That's just, I feel like you learn that as a kid, right? Treat others how you want to be treated. It's the same concept when it comes to sales. And yet, and yet, this show exists for a reason. <laughs> so but, but, so um, I want to ask you this, man, in terms of your process to help traditional non-technical folks, you know, sales side or practitioner side, you took this new job on, you came from, from an academic standpoint, a criminology background. Yeah. What was your process to actually learning the technology and then being able to sell it, you know, in a non-scripted manner. And I say this because, you know, full disclosure, you worked at Splunk, which mm-hmm. anyone that's ever actually been a Splunk user, it's yeah, man. query-based searching. It's yeah. super fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So to learn the technologies, then go into Radware. Radware is a great product as well. But again, you have to learn the nuances of it. How did you study? How did you learn? And was there a buffer window between when you were hired and when you actually started doing go to market? Like, did you give yourself a ramp up time to study and learn your product and then took it to market? Oof. That's a good question. And being in sales, no, there is no such thing as a buffer time, <laughs> first and foremost, right? So you kind of have to jump right in. Uh, but I'm very, I'm very, the, the saying, you know, you're, 
you know, don't be the smartest guy in the room or you're never the smartest guy in the room is, is something I kind of live by. Right. So I, I acknowledge the fact that I am not the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to these solutions. Uh, it's probably going to be impossible. And, and I, I include that in, in my outreach sometimes. Right. Like this is something that these guys do every single day. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know everything there is to know about what you do or how you do it. Right. Uh, but I will say that it's a process that is I'm, I'm ever learning. And I know people say that about everything, but it's the truth. Right. Uh, I like you said, I'm from criminology, so I don't really have an IT background. And a lot of this was um, it was I, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but it was it was like speaking Chinese. Right? I didn't understand any mm-hmm. of it early on. Uh, but when I first got into tech, I worked for a company called Memory Blue, actually, and they outsourced me to Splunk. So at this company, Memory Blue, I was able to learn about a lot of solutions at once because mm. the way they did it is I was in office and everyone was outsourced to a different company. So although I was in the same office, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was or I was in the same office with a lot of people who sold different things. So you just listen to their cold calls. It, it's really easy. It's a small office. Like. You can hear them over your desk and things of that nature, or you can sit next to them. Um, and I learned about pretty much all of the different technologies that are being sold within tech, right? I learned about marketing technologies. I learned about cybersecurity. I learned about, uh, you know, data, all of it at once. So I think that was a phenomenal way to get jump started into this because I had so much exposure so quickly. Uh, and then the second part of your answer is, is really I had it... I was at, I, I'm, I'm at Radware now for three years, and I can honestly say it took me until the last year to really get down what was going on, right? When it comes to networking application security, like even it, it took a lot. It took a long time for me to even really understand why it was important and why, uh, you know, people would use it. But with that being said, there is no buffer <laughs> and you kind of have to jump in and, and lead with what you think works best and uh, learn from there. Yeah, well, I think humility and curiosity, we've said curiosity a thousand times on this show, but it's like, if you, if you don't even have the willingness to learn, like, I can't teach curiosity to you, but if, if you, you know, you want to learn, then we'll, we'll make it work. (laughs) Yeah, that's Um, the biggest, sorry, that's the biggest takeaway I I take from London here is that you are genuinely interested in what you do, man. And like, I I just, I have to encourage it, George, for other sales folks who are thinking about getting into the business genuinely be curious about the technology be interested be passionate like the one biggest thing i can tell with with sales folks other than the scripting in terms of what you're telling me do you actually give a shit about what you're talking about like if you really think it's cool if you're like when i talk to kayla and she talks about drata she loves what they do she genuinely loves what they. she's a fan of what they do her passion makes me interested like right on salespeople listening yeah, that's in, that's infectious. If it just sounds yep. like you're reading off the script, then it's like you could just like insert solution provider here. And it's like, oh, I mean, do they really care about me and my environment if they would just sell me whatever, you know? Right. Um, cool. So you uh, are a self-identified DEI champion and for uh, many good reasons. I want to kind of go back to something you said at the beginning, which was where you grew up. You know, most people either go into the army become a cop, you know, whatever. Um, I think Kendrick used to say that it was either uh, sports or the streets. That's kind of how he, how he puts yeah. it. He grew up in the um, Bay, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I really want to go into some 
territory that I think most people are uncomfortable with, but I think it's very important. So DEI has a lot of buzz around it because it is sort of the right thing to do, but right. it also like can completely change the wealth trajectory of entire families, right? You get new experiences, new skill sets, right? Like the the D1 football player who has the discipline with process and has the people skills to excel in sales. So I think I want you to talk a little bit about hiring best practices. Like what has your advocacy around us and technology and stuff sort of taught you about, you know, like what could we as an industry be doing better in terms of, you know, getting wood behind the arrow when we actually say we care about DEI and like mm -hmm. accomplishing something in that direction. Uh, yeah, that's a big one to throw in the <laughs> tail end of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, maybe some, some, you know, some cueing. Yeah. From my, from my experience as a dude who's like, you know, I'm oftentimes the youngest guy when I go to executive events at the table. I'm often the the only person of color, or like there's like less than a handful of us there. Yeah. I think the honest to God thing is like hire people who, you know, come from, uh, I guess we'll say minority groups and right. actually give them the chance to either succeed or fail based on merit. That's it. Right. Like anyone that I know who is a, a, a visible minority of any kind, <laughs> like I don't want to be tokenized. The last thing in the fucking world mm -hmm. I want to be is like, well, here's like token brown dude with a fucking exec title. <laughs> I want to be a guy who's like, okay, I have earned a shot. I happen yes. to have these other identity personalities, but whether or not I succeed or fail, it's based on the merit of my work. And right. if I succeed, give me the opportunity to develop and hire other people from communities like mine so mm. they can get a shot. Because I right. think there, there's a, if I can offer this from a DEI perspective, it's not about placing people in positions just because they check off boxes, because those people will ultimately fail. Either they'll quit because they're not being respected or the organization will cut them because they're not actually there authentically, right? Right. And if you're actually sincerely invested in a DEI approach where you're wanting to see equality, where you're wanting to see diversity benefit your organization, you have to let people, you know, in, first of all, and you have to give them the opportunity to either do well or flounder out based on the level of effort they're willing to put in. Because mm -hmm. if they don't feel like it's an equality of opportunity scenario, it's all bullshit, bro. Like straight up. Yeah. So to, to kind of go off that note, something that you've noted is uh, if they actually care. I think that's the number one issue is I think mm -hmm. a lot of these companies pretend like they want DEI, but as soon as the market went down earlier this year, DEI was the first thing to go, right? So, so first and foremost is them actually make wanting to make change and not be another Instagram post about how they're, you know, making the change, but they're not really committed to it. I think that has a lot deeper. I think it comes from a lot, a lot deeper place, to be honest. I don't, like I said, I don't think that a lot of these companies truly 
do want to stand for DEI. I think it's just a new and cool thing to do at the moment. Um, so that's where I would start. Uh, but I think to, to your point as well, just allowing those individuals that are curious and want to get in and allowing them to, to grow and show their worth is the next step, right? Because then it's going to allow that door to get kicked open and many more to follow behind, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a I mean, sticky this, this situation is... out here because I've dealt with my fair share of experiences as well, right? So just like you said, yeah. I'm I'm always the youngest uh, and I'm, I'm probably the only colored person in the room nine times out of 10, right? Uh, and I think even if I think what it takes is even if you're not focused on DEI and you see someone like that in a room, right, approach them and try and create a relationship with them. I can say through these partner meetings that I've been to uh, and, you know, various like uh, events, I typically stick out like a sore thumb and I can feel it. And therefore, mm. I'm I don't want to say I'm less likely to go talk to someone because I'm going to go try and talk to everybody just because that's the type of person I am. Uh, but there may be a few people in the room. I'm like, ah, I don't. I probably won't go talk to them. Just, <laughs> just, it, it just because I, maybe we actually don't yeah, have yeah, anything yeah. to relate to, right? Because there's some people. It, yeah. That's the case. More times than not, I can. But if you're like a just a like a non-social person type of thing, like I'm, I'm probably not going to give it a shot. But yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. That's 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 probably that, me answering that question correctly would probably end uh, uh, a lot of. Uh, I don't know. It, it would it would it would change the entire industry if I actually had the answer. To be honest, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think you've taken a, a college try at it. I mean, I think that's why I'm so behind us in technology is because it is a Kendrick has invested like a a program to help you succeed. It's not just like LinkedIn for minorities. Yeah. And it's also applying a technological solution to answer, you know, some of the problems in tech, in the tech industry. Um, so, but I think to your point, you got to let them in and then you got to support them. If you say like, I want these people from this place instead of this place, but I don't have time to invest in the training or whatever, yeah. you know, and then starts it starts at the top to, down. Yeah. 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 there's no there's no right answer to this man like look it's a subjective experience thing right yeah. like if there was a if there was a, a one-size-fits-all answer to this someone would have done it long ago the fact of the matter is it's going to take a lot of individuals like us having individual conversations together and when enough of that shit happens at scale then people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, we have a massive staffing shortage right now. So we should probably look at these communities and uh, we should probably not try to make them fit into like a box of a certain personality type that we're looking for. Absolutely. The thing too of being cultured is like I, I, I have certain things and certain humors and certain mannerisms that are not typical to uh, I, I, I don't yeah, want to say. Yeah, you I, know, I wear my hair braided and uh, Word, I can yeah, guarantee yeah. you none of the account executives I work with do that. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> culture fit is yeah. Yeah, that's that that's that sticky term that just sounds like homogenization. So I like, agree. You don't, you don't see me bringing my fucking hookah to fucking company events. That's all I'm saying. As <laughs> <laughs> much as I wish. Um, I, I I think it would work great. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I almost made him honestly. Spin his I think you should. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things, right? I think we've 
dehumanize the industry in a way. I feel like people are not allowed to be themselves in many of these situations. Mm-hmm. And I I don't like that part, right? I, I feel yeah. like you should be able to feel like yourself in every every situation that you're in, right? And even if it's a work event, you should obviously there's professionalism and that's super important, but like express yourself and not because everyone's so uptight and just number 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 that's it that's that's what it feels like for sure yeah it's not dude it it like feeds into my anxiety sometimes man like when i walk into a room and i feel like everyone's being fake i like i need to leave i I can't i'm not good with that man i hear you yeah i'm in the same boat cool well london i'm so thrilled we could finally make this happen uh, we're at time, but uh, right thank you very much for giving John, us. Thank you guys for inviting time. me. It's it's been a it's been a blast. I haven't really talked about these things on a podcast before, but thanks for giving me the opportunity hey, to. Yo, dude, we're we're gonna be a black hat. I hope you're there. We're we're planning on doing some live shit. Um, right on. Be part of it, man. Like, dude, I just I just want to have a fucking drink with you. I just want to talk talk game with you and stuff, man. And no, I, I think, really appreciate uh, that. That's love, dude. You're a cool dude, man. Like, look, thank if you. there's any way I can help you out, I sent you a LinkedIn request earlier. Shoot okay. me a message, man. By all means, man, keep doing what you're doing. We need more of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Cool. Well, we'll talk soon. All right on.